Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm very pleased to be joined by the CEO of Teaching Lab, Sarah Johnson. Sarah, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we have a provocative opening salvo here. Ulrich Bozer got us connected. And Ulrich's question is, can teacher development be saved? And if you're asking, can teacher development be saved? It sounds like it's in peril to begin with. Let's get your answer. And then we're going to want to hear a little more about you and uh, where you're coming from and uh, what you're doing at Teaching Lab. Yeah, I appreciate the question. I simultaneously love it and think it's an absurd question. Let me explain why. If you look at the evidence, evidence base on teacher professional development programs. It's not a great evidence base. If you look at the What Works Clearinghouse, for instance, they've identified over a thousand studies on teacher professional development and a handful of those, like nine to 10 of those studies actually show an impact on shifting teacher practice and improving student learning. So it's fair to ask, can it be saved? But at the same time, I think it's the wrong question. I think the right question to ask is, how do we dramatically improve teacher learning on behalf of students? It's a core problem to solve because if you just step back and think about this logically, we are asking teachers to do incredibly difficult work every single day. And I was a teacher myself. I was a high school science teacher in DC and Oakland, California. And we ask them to do ex exceedingly difficult work. If you're a high school teacher, you oftentimes teach 150 students uh, a year. If you're an elementary school teacher, you maybe are teaching 30 to 40 students a year, but you're working from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then after that on grading and everything else. So the real question is, how do we actually make it work? Because it's one of the most important things to do in education. Yeah. So what we know is that if you want to improve student learning, you need to improve what's happening at the instructional core. And the instructional core is defined as the relationship between students, teachers, and content. Because again, at the end of the day, the teachers are the ones that are with the students and are going to determine whether they learn or not. Right. And every other fad in education, just to name any fad, and some of these are very important, right? But any fad like social and emotional learning, tra trauma-informed instruction, anything, recovery from COVID, yeah. uh, you can describe what should happen in order to do that work really well. And 100% of the time, it is gonna fall on the backs of the teachers to figure out how to do that. It's not gonna fall on the backs of somebody else. How do we actually create a strong theory and then exceptionally strong systems to ensure that every teacher learns what we yeah. want to do with students? And so that's why at Teaching Lab, we wanna ensure that every single teacher has a high impact year of learning every single year of their careers. Right. Because we think that's what professionals deserve. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. interesting. and the role of the teacher has evolved in a lot of ways in the last year due to the pandemic and the responsibilities uh, have shifted in a lot of different ways. First being thrust online and now in some ways being pushed back into the classroom, maybe whether you want to be there or not. Do you have perspective on that as someone who's trying to understand how to teach teachers and in some ways they become much more part of the, the national conversation, the global conversation, frankly, in the, the challenging times we're in? Yeah, and I think that's a benefit of these challenging times. Every parent in the nation who has their kid engaging in remote learning, which is the majority of parents right now, they have a window 
into what instruction actually entails. And I think that's building a lot of empathy for educators because they see how hard it is. My son is in kindergarten and has been in remote learning this whole year. And I thank his teacher every single day because she is engaging 30 kindergartners on Zoom. Yeah. And it's hard enough to engage 30 kindergartners in person, but she is actually effectively doing it on Zoom. And I know she did that with very little training and support, but one thing that my son's school has done well, which is a system that we recommend that schools engage in, is they have engaged in continuous improvement. So yep. Yep, yep. Right? And so at the beginning of the year, they had my son in Zoom classes all day long. And then they realized that you couldn't maintain student engagement in those Zoom classes. They listened to the teachers. And now they have him engaged in Zoom lessons in smaller blocks of time over the course of the day. Right. They also learned to do things like leverage technology uh, so that students could be using technology independently, but then the teacher could engage in more small group time yep. uh, with students. So we've learned a lot during this era. And yeah. there have been excellent teachers, excellent schools that have figured it out. But the core problem in education is always to move beyond an excellent classroom or an excellent school into an excellent system. Right. And so there's things that we've learned. There's, there's an accumulation of knowledge. And so how can we tap into that knowledge base and ensure is that as teachers prepare to reopen this next school year, how do we tap into that knowledge base, ensure that teachers get the professional learning they deserve now and in the summer so that they're prepared to engage in some really difficult work next year. Makes sense. Can you describe for me what Teaching Lab is and how you came to be in the role that you are uh, there today? Yeah, of course. Teaching Lab at our organization, our mission is to shift the paradigm of teacher professional learning for educational equity. We're exceedingly passionate and serious about this mission. And in order to achieve this mission, we have a core model of teacher professional learning that we call head, heart, and habits. So the head part of our model refers to how we're always trying to get evidence-based practices into use by educators, but in a way that they can embrace and love. So a lot of times evidence doesn't get into practice because research is not accessible to teachers. The research that we have doesn't use language that teachers have mm -hmm. it's not integrated into the teacher workflow. And so we always base our professional learning on using high quality curriculum yep. because that lays the foundation for getting evidence into practice. And essentially what we're trying to do at Teaching Lab is to create the American version of Japanese lesson study. So okay. that's that's the head part of our model. And the heart part of our model refers to a really important research base on the power of teacher social capital. Mm. There's research that shows that the strength of teacher relationships actually translates into improvements in student learning. Yep. So it's not just a nice to have. Those relationships actually help teachers spread uh, practical knowledge um, yeah. around community that impacts students. And then finally, the habits part of our model refers to how we never do one and done PD. That's the norm in education. PD yeah. is professional development, just in case folks are less connected to that particular domain. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Professional development almost can be a, a swear word in some teacher circles because yep. they've such a bad time with it because it is one and done. So what that means is you pull teachers out for a day, you teach them something that's random, it's not connected to their practice, maybe they learn one new thing, maybe they try it out in their classroom, but there's no follow up. And so they don't get the feedback that they deserve to know if uh, something they've changed in their practice actually is resulting in changes in student learning. Yeah, we teach teachers to engage in cycles of inquiry, 
Because even if we convince teachers to use the best evidence in their classrooms, using it in my classroom in New York City and another classroom in Oakland, California, there's different contexts. You're going to implement it in different ways. So you have to teach teachers to learn a new practice, try it out in their classroom, collect student work, and then meet with their peers and actually discuss whether or not uh, a change has resulted in an improvement. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that ideally is very scalable, right? So the idea is, can you create a community of practice around getting your professional development out there in a way that will be effective and based on evidence. It did make me think of Friday Night Lights, uh, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose when you said head, heart, and habits. I try to make Friday Night Lights references uh, just to keep myself entertained. But it does sound like the big idea that if a lot of people see that it works and start adopting it, this change of mindset, reframing of things is something that could really turn things around for professional development. Yeah, we're obsessed with scalability at at Teaching Lab. So we have 3.5 million teachers in the nation. And K2 ELA, like teaching kids how to read is its own world. 6-8 math, teaching kids how to engage in, in rigorous math discussion in middle school, that's its own world. And so in order to scale this, it's difficult because you need expertise at all of those levels. But our theory of scalability relies on teacher leaders. Mm -hmm. So that's another really important part of the heart model, the heart aspect of our model, which is that uh, we're teaching school leaders to identify teacher leaders, build up their expertise so the school leader doesn't have to be the expert in everything, Mm -hmm. but every school has expertise and someone identified and help other teachers embrace evidence and get it into practice. Yeah, it's, it's smart. It reminds me of a, a lot of the evolving thinking around getting past command and control structures. It's almost like you got to get better models out there that are more distributed. I, I imagine you're working very closely with educators to get those tight feedback loops and the continuous improvement that you're talking about. Exactly. And this integrated approach is really important. So if you decentralize too much, uh, and this is another problem that we have in education, if you decentralize too much and say teachers should just engage in their own cycles on their own without drawing from an evidence base, that is also deprofessionalizing, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to achieve this balance. And we reference uh, Atul Gawande's work, like the Checklist Manifesto, and translate that for teacher practitioners. Mm -hmm. So uh, he tells a really inspiring story about how there was a time when doctors all performed knee surgeries in different ways, but there was actually the right way to do it. You followed these steps and you got better outcomes for your patients. But at the same time, there are probably thousands of practitioner micro decisions that the doctors made when they're interacting with a particular patient yeah. to bring that checklist to life. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we want to do with teachers. We want them to know what the evidence base is, what works, and what we've determined through research that works, but then also teach them that they have the professional judgment and knowledge to tweak that evidence base as they implement it with their students. Yeah, 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 makes makes sense. It's an interesting time to think about the role of the teacher because there's been so much transformation. How has that impacted Teaching Lab in terms of the, the rapid move online and then now the thinking of what's hybrid versus what is purely online? It, it feels like we've all gone through some major reframing of how we think about instructional design. 
How has this uh, impacted you at Teaching Lab? It's been hard, just like it's been hard for everybody else. We would try to use this as a great opportunity to connect with the educators. We were a 100% in-person professional learning organization, meaning my people were on site with teachers, working with them every day in person. And so when the pandemic hit, we shifted to an entirely virtual professional learning model. And we were worried about this heart component of our work. Could we build really strong relationships with educators? And at the beginning of the pandemic, when we first started doing it, the data that we collected showed we weren't doing as well. But three months later, we got our stats up to our in-person pre-COVID rates. Okay. Now we have data from educators that show that there's some aspects of the virtual professional learning that teachers like more. Mm-hmm. So for instance, we can integrate into very small blocks of time. Teachers like that more. It makes the work that we do with them even more relevant. We know how hard it is to shift your instruction from in-person to virtual, but we've done it too. Here are the things that we've learned. Here's the technology that we use. Here's norms that we set with educators. Yeah. And we have them think about uh, ways to do that and leverage technology with their students. Yeah, I will say that the hybrid model, which involves teachers teaching on Zoom and in person at the same time, we don't uh, believe in that model. Yeah. <laughs> teaching is already rocket science. Teaching kids how to read is difficult and trying to do that in two different modalities at the same time yeah. is just more difficult than we need it to be. And the reason why we did that, I think is just another indicator of how we treat teachers. Yeah, for me, I have experience with that where you'd always have at least two instructors on every class if you're designing for a hybrid context, but that's not really the way it's being described. They're asking the in-person teacher to take on the second responsibility of teaching an online class at the same time. And that's really too much to juggle unless you're going to provide more resourcing and think about how you might do it differently. It's interesting stuff. And then what are the new and emerging trends around professional development? You mentioned a few of them at the top. What trends are you noticing? What's new and emerging? And what are you seeing make the biggest impact in terms of your measures of success? I think we have a huge opportunity right now to look at positive deviance. What I mean by that is there's a ton of news about how remote learning doesn't work. And do I, as a parent with a kindergartner at home, do I want him to go back to in-person school? Absolutely. But at the same time, my son's teacher has taught him how to read. And she has taught almost every child in her class how to read on Zoom. And so I think we need to learn from what has worked there and how technology has actually improved outcomes for some teachers, for some students, Mm -hmm. and, and figure out how to maintain those things that have worked after we come back in person. For instance, One thing that I think uh, is promising is uh, using a a core curriculum when you have your students in person, but figuring out what technology can support students in engaging in more practice um, aligned with that curriculum. And so, for instance, at Teaching Lab, we're starting a partnership with assessments, which helps students engage in more math practice. And we're doing that as assessments is aligned with the core curriculum that teachers are using mm-hmm. with their students. Mm-hmm. And this is really helpful because like I said before, my son's teacher, she's freeing up more time for small group work by allowing students to work individually using some of these tech tools, yeah. something that we should embrace more when students come back to school. The reintegration is what gets my wheels turning. I think going back to hundred percent classroom-based delivery without thinking about some 
some wins that we've actually banked through the the, the many, many challenges of the pandemic, I, th I think is smart thinking. The other area I wanted to touch on briefly with you is the, the idea of a community of practice and building a culture where there is trust and psychological safety and camaraderie. How much of that is where the real future is for treating education as the, the, the profession that it truly is? It's everything. What we know from the data right now is that teacher morale is really low. And I think some of that is about remote learning, but I think the majority of it is because we did to teachers what we do to them every year, regardless of the pandemic. It's been happening since the Common Core. And before that, I'm sure it was something else. We say, teachers, go teach in this entirely new way and figure it out. As opposed to even if you're operating a factory, if you want people to build something that they haven't built before, you teach them how to build that new thing. You not do that with educators. I think that they are feeling really demoralized because they just feel unsuccessful. If we want teachers to feel successful, we need to embrace this integrated head, heart, and habits approach and understand that teachers want to be successful. Teaching is hard. You wake up early. You have to deal with a vast diversity of students and students' behaviors, but you're doing that because you have a mission yeah. uh, to improve student learning and to advance educational equity. And so we have to operate from that asset-based place and then provide them with the professional learning that they deserve. But that professional learning has to involve teacher teams. And we have to develop those strong relationships where professional teacher teams engage in the core work of learning mm. together. Because again, like so much of teaching, it's you shut the door to your classroom and you do your own thing. And by the end of the day, you're exhausted. Yeah. Other countries carve out time, a substantial amount of time for teachers to meet as professionals and yeah. share that practice knowledge. And so I think we, what we say at Teaching Lab is if we do our work, everything feels like a gift to teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now is the time for school systems to figure that out so that they don't have completely exhausted, burned out, demoralized teachers yeah. when students come back to school at a critical time. Imagine you're a third grade teacher right now and 80% of your students have been in remote learning, but 20% maybe didn't log in at all. Right. What is your actual plan for right. supporting that diverse group of students when they return? That is difficult to do. I, I think it's 100% possible, but it's difficult to do and it requires some real planning around how we're going to skill teachers up to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a fascinating time to be looking at all this stuff. So what do you see on the horizon, beginning with the teaching lab, and then at the end, we could get anything else that's out there in the world around us that's capturing your imagination. But just to start, what's on the horizon for teaching lab? And assuming we're coming out of the, the pandemic in the next year or so, 2020s are ahead of us. So what do you see on the horizon? At teaching lab, we are in over 30 school systems. We also have six state partnerships. And we're reaching over 5,000 educators through our virtual professional learning and through our new learning management system. And thankfully, the demand for our support and services has only increased during the pandemic. And so right now, we're very fortunate. We're at a point where we are hiring more people to meet the demand. And what we anticipate is that we'll actually never go back to a fully in-person model with mm -hmm. teachers. 
I think we'll always have a blended model because again, teachers are demanding and telling us that they love the accessibility of the virtual professional learning. And so that's a big stage of innovation and growth for Teaching Lab is to figure out how to scale that in an incredibly high quality way. Yeah. Um, because again, another core problem in education, the programs that do generally work with teachers are smaller. We have 3.5 million teachers. We can't just say that's the case. Right. <laughs> that's right. coming back to the original question. We can't just say PD doesn't work or we don't know how to scale it. Right. We have to continuously learning and improving and figure out how to make it work, how yeah. to, and it's not making PD work. That's not inspiring. It is ensuring that teachers learn so that they can do right by students. And to your previous point, building a system that focuses on continuous improvement and everyone who partakes in that system is is really ultimately driving towards those goals. It seems like a good way to structure your design thinking. As we're concluding, Sarah, thanks again for, for joining us. If folks want to learn more about the teaching lab and the stuff that you're doing, where should they go? Oh, they should go to uh, teachinglab.org. Okay, teachinglab.org. Teaching you can find out about all this. Uh, before we let you go, Sarah, what else is out there in this world these days that is capturing your imagination? Another major innovation area for Teaching Lab is integrating the literature base on uh, culturally responsive teaching practices and criticality related to analyzing systemic racism and racial justice into our curriculum aligned professional learning. Mm-hmm. And I think as we meet the demands of this era, I think this will be exceptionally important. Additionally, it is in high demand from educators because again, most educators are working from this deep value-driven place and they want to do right by all of their students. And what we, we really love about culturally responsive teaching practices is that it supports teachers in operating from an asset-based place. And so I think, again, like there's so much news about learning loss and inequities yep. uh, across different student populations, et cetera. But really, we need teachers coming into the classroom this fall believing that every single student can and will learn on grade level. And they're all bringing in cultural funds of knowledge that you can leverage in order to get them to read and write and compute on grade level so that when they graduate from our systems, they're ready to pursue their dreams. Yeah. Great Mm -hmm. stuff. Sarah Johnson, the CEO of Teaching Lab. Thanks so much for joining us on Trending in Education. Thank you so much for having me. And for our listeners, uh, we'll be back again soon. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, share it, write us a review. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.